Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Now, here, here's interesting. Yep. The guy wrote in in the comments, whoa there, partner. Man, is this guy going to get pounded? Frankly, sounds like he's saying what needs to be said, elite means the best. By definition, the best is not inclusive. We're talking about the fat tail on the right-hand side of the bell curve. And that's a fancy way of saying the best doctors, lawyers, Students are a very small group. All right. We'll talk more about this when we return. Dave Ellswick Show News is next. All right. Back with you on the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, if you're watching on Facebook, that's Congressman Trench Hill. You know him. You've seen him a lot of times on my show. A lot of you have heard him. You're going to hear him in just a moment. I wanted to tell you... uh, Congressman, that I was uh, I was proud of you the other day when you put out that uh, press release about about asking the president call for a day of prayer. We don't do that enough anymore. No, in fact, I think we denigrate it. I think we intimidate people to not call for it, and I think our as I said in my statement out on my website at hill.house.gov, I said, you know, our society's in a dark place right now. That's an understatement. And it's, I guess, to those of us of a certain age, I mean, it's really shocking. It's taken people by surprise. And and the attitude people have to their fellow citizens is taking me by mm-hmm. surprise. You don't, there's no one place to go. But we need to all be advocating for love and care of our fellow citizens and coming together for common sense solutions on tragedies and recognize that um, it's unacceptable to have mass murder in our country. And let's talk about that and talk about some of the rationale for it and how we can come together and encourage it to be ended Um, because it's really – hurting our civil discourse i think you concerned that i mean there's people in your own parties are on the senate side that now are saying yeah we need red flag laws red flag laws really worry me because the second amendment has already been under attack it worries me that now we're going to put due process under attack yeah in the states where they've attempted to be put in practice um i think it's a mixed bag because this idea that what's happened in the last 35 years about supreme court rulings about you are a danger to yourself or others part of the challenge with mental health and mental health treatment in our country not enough people are getting it it's not sustained if people are receiving mental health treatment they're not getting reported into the background check system, uh, which is a weakness, I would say, in the background check system. 
And so this idea, if you are a danger to yourself of others, how do you protect your due process, and how do you not have that avalanche on you? And I think that's the biggest challenge in red flag law ideas, and it's why I've suggested if they're to be considered, consider them at the state level, where there's more um, common sense, more control, more opportunity for the people to be directly involved, and not try to have a one-size-fits-all solution at the federal government level? And how do you really convince lawyers and representatives of people's personal liberties that it's not going to infringe on their rights? And if you were adjudicated in some way that limited your access for a period of time, how do you ensure through the court system that it comes off if there's a a cure or how do you prevent that and there is a public aspect to it obviously so we have a unique country where we protect people's due process rights and privacy rights it makes anything like this that on the surface appears common sense in a way shouldn't we try to protect people from people who might be dangerous but then it's it's very challenging to write that law i think well i'm always worried that things is going to always get larger and larger once they've been passed. I mean, who decides who's nuts and who's not? Yep. I mean, I hate to put it that way. It's putting it in Dave Ellswick's speak. I mean, look, somebody could point at me in another five or ten years and said, that Ellswick, he's crazy. I mean, five but, or ten minutes. Yeah, that maybe that's true, too, Robert. <laughs> Bottom line is he believes in a guy that supposedly was born of a virgin, was killed, rose again, and uh, lives in heaven. He's nuts. I mean, I'm I'm just being honest. Yeah. Well, this gets into if you read the uh, the rules around uh, mental health adjudication, we have that rule now. You're not supposed to be able to buy a firearm if you've been treated for mental health. And there's a definition, and people can go out and look at ATF's website. Because when you've gone in your gun store and you've bought a gun, you've answered all the questions, you're not dishonorably discharged, you're not guilty of a felony, you're not guilty of domestic violence, uh, you're not an illegal immigrant, uh, you haven't been convicted of a crime for more with one more than one year sentence, you answer all those questions. You may not pay attention to them mm-hmm. because you're doing a commercial transaction. But I, I encourage people to go out to ATF's website and read the definitions on you know mental health it's serious, and they're serious. And my concern is that with so much trauma out there, those people are not reported. So that gets circles you back to exactly the question you're raising, and it's a court of law determines whether or not you're mentally fit. And we don't want that opened up to just questioning everybody. And as you say, debating, well, what's mental, mental fitness? The, mm-hmm. I think the rule is pretty clear now in the the way the ATF defines it, but it's a challenge. There's no doubt. I mean, it's it's we should debate it and talk about it. I really think so, and because it's a very interesting way to carry into this conversation and talk about public safety and talk about at risk and the concept, as Steve Scalise said the other day in an interview, that we're so attuned to in an airport. See something, say something. Correct. So many of these instances, over and over again, we have the heartbreak of what? The neighbor who says, oh, yeah, well, I could have told you that was going to happen. 
because we respect each other's privacy. But this concept of public safety, see something, say something, is at the heart of where I think people are trying to go there to enhance public safety, worry about their kids. They're worried about their kids. Yeah, and I agree. You should be worried about your kids anymore. Yeah. All right. With that said, uh, your thoughts about, you know, what has occurred. I mean, over the few days, we've had uh, multiple shootings in California, in Texas, and now in Ohio as well. Uh, there seems to not be any kind of rhyme nor reason. I mean, people say, well, let, we got to harden the targets. Well, out in California, they had metal detectors. This person knew it. They cut their way through the, the chain link fence on the backside of the of the festival and came in and, and did their deed. You got a guy who went in in Dayton and shot people and killed his own sister, for God's sake. I mean, these are these are sick people. They are, and it's why, and I don't, I don't like in this national debate, Dave, if we're going to demonize this concept of, of mental health, adequate medical health access, keeping people on their medicine. Um, this should not be demonized as an, an excuse because when you look at even the New York Times analysis of mass shootings over the past couple of decades, more than two-thirds have a diagnosed clearly mental illness issue there so then you ask questions well if that person was under treatment in residential treatment or non-residential treatment would they have still acted in such a anti-societal manic Mm -hmm. manner we don't know but if they were in that educated manner and the states really did contribute that information to the background check system which is the law today some of them might not have bought a firearm legally because they really are a sick person. And that definition of a danger to yourself or others is where in 2016 we changed that law in Congress in the 21st Century Cures Act and encouraged states to do two things. Look at HIPAA and how you define HIPAA at your state level and interpret it and how do you define a danger to themselves and others consistent with the Supreme Court so that people's privacy and due process rights are protected but if someone has a pattern and practice of appearing to be a danger to themselves or others and they're not reported is that right? And I think that's where this debate actually should be and not blow it off and say, no, this is because of the availability of guns in American society. That is not the cause of this kind of manic, sad behavior. Right. Of course, you Go know, we, we have 350 million guns or more in the United States, and the number of mass shootings, uh, while each and every one is tragic, is such a small percentage of that to claim that the guns are the cause really misses the point, right? Well, and I, I said in my statement, which I thought about for actually, you know, three days on purpose because I wanted to really consider this. I wanted to hear what President Trump had to say when he was going to speak. I wanted to listen to what Americans were saying to me. And I said, look, addiction, our kids' addiction, 
mental illness of all ages, and they're, they are killing themselves. Our suicide rates, our drug addiction rates, our suicide connected to drug addiction. And when you look at what is the top death by firearm, it's a suicide. And by so, far. By far. Yeah. yeah. And so I hope this opens a constructive debate and that people stop politicizing this and turning it into just politics and really think about the societal issues. That's what I wanted to talk about. How do we have a better society? How do we all play a role in the antidote to this kind of poison I see on social media and out in conversation? And how do we take a breath and think about how to make a safer public environment? All right. We got to get a break in. Let's do that. We'll come back. Congressman French Hill from the second district is with us here on the Dave Ellswick show. All right, we've got about eight minutes left here with Congressman French Hill. Congressman, uh, you were here meeting with uh, Mayor Scott, the new mayor of Little Rock, and other folks uh, in a roundtable about helping the city uh, come back to, I guess, former glory would be the way to put it. What are some of the things that you all identified? Well, um, the new, our new mayor is very ambitious to get Little Rock back in a growth mode again instead of a population loss mode. And one of those areas is how do we get faster economic growth in some of the tougher areas in our city? So uh, the neighborhood around um, UALR, neighborhood mm-hmm. around the airport on the east side, or in central Little Rock along 12th Street, these are in what's called opportunity zones that have been designated by the city and by the state of Arkansas if you invest in those zones, you can have your whole capital gain uh, reduced over a 10-year period. So you take appreciated value, translate it to invest in that area. You can protect that capital gain over a 10-year period. So it's very attractive. And what's different in this, it was in our tax bill. It's something that's never talked about. We talk about lower rates, returning capital home from foreign jurisdictions in President Trump's track tax bill, but this was one of the key features, opportunity zones. What I like about it that makes it different than we've ever tried on the supply side issue is it's not just to incent real estate development, single-family housing or apartments in those areas. It actually gives those tax breaks if you start a small business in that area. You can protect your capital investment, your equipment investment, and the rules that the Treasury Department recently announced that we talked about on Monday, I think are reasonable, and I think uh, uh, Frank Scott wants to make that a priority. I want to help him do that. So this event on Monday, we had the White House present. We had Donald Trump sent his chief de- uh, domestic policy advisor on this topic and his chief advisor on historically black colleges and universities uh, to come participate in this. And we have an executive order that encourages investment in these opportunity zones. Now, that, that's something that has been tried uh, before uh, to give people tax deductions, things of that nature. What, what, hold, what seems to hold it up? What, yeah. is, is it, is it a, some way of convincing people that it's the right thing to do or what? Well, it's a great question. My old friend Jack Kemp. There you go. Uh, I got to work with Jack uh, for two years in the early 90s when he was the secretary of HUD. Mm -hmm. But even going back to his illustrious congressional career in the 70s and early 80s, Jack talked about enterprise zones. His vision was no income tax, no capital gains tax, uh, lower regulatory burden to incent people to come to a 
underperforming poor county or local area. And it some of it was done. And during the Clinton administration, they actually created things called enterprise zones, but it wasn't robust. There wasn't it was helpful, but not determinative. This is an elimination, uh, basically, of basis for capital gains. And as I say, what I like the most about it is it finally offers it to the business entrepreneur, not just the real estate investor, that rolls a capital gain from a real estate investment into a lower you know, economic area, builds some housing units for sale or for rent, and then shelters that gain over that 10-year period. Because you can use it for business and real estate, I think it will be more powerful. And I'm sorry Jack Kett didn't live to see it. Paul Mm -hmm. Ryan fought for this to be included in in President Trump's tax bill, and it was. So I'm cautiously optimistic. And But what I argued in the event, my contribution besides convening it with Frank Scott was, let's change the Arkansas law the Pulaski County rules and the city of Little Rock rules to make them more robust. Let's have somebody write a Wall Street Journal article. Hey, you want to invest in an opportunity zone? The best regulatory tax environment in the country is in central Arkansas because this is a competitive market. There are investors all over the country that are going to invest in opportunity zones. They're going to head to what I call the NFL cities, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, before they come to Little Rock, unless we demonstrate that it's even better for an investor to come here and help us grow our city. All right. Last question for you, because we're just about out of time. Front page article today, the dim gas China limits currencies fall, a few signs of progress offered in trade dispute with the United States. If there's one person who can talk about this, it's you. What's your take on all of this? We're stalled out. I think, in our negotiations with China right now. Xi has got the fall party conference coming up. He's got a real mess in Hong Kong. Oh, that's an understatement. This is a of concern to me. Hong Kong is one of my favorite places in the world. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing my old friend from 30 years ago, Martin Lee, who was the leader in the 1998 time frame forward to for democracy in hong kong i'm going to see martin in a couple of weeks i look forward to a on the ground sort of report from him but the chinese are doubling down now on saying they're not going to import american agricultural products which is here we are in our fourth or fifth bad ag year due to weather flooding so we've got to keep these talks going and we've got to compel change. I don't know what that magic formula is. I would be doing it differently than our president. You and I have talked about that. Yep. My strategy on how to move China on intellectual property, access to the market, is a little different than the president's. But I admire his persistent courage to press it. But we have to reach you know, a step one accommodation. You Sometimes in trade... I've done it for 30 years. You don't get everything in the first go-around. We're going to have an improved NAFTA, thanks to uh, President Trump, mm-hmm. 25 years after the original document. Much better for the U.S. These things take time. So I would encourage Secretary Mnuchin and the president to press to let's see what can we what can we accomplish that's mutually beneficial soon. I think that's good for our economy. I don't want to see this to have broader negative connotations on inflation 
or our economic progress that we've made so positively over the last two years. All right. We're out of time. You hear Thank the you. music. I music hear the music. Starts. That means I got to shut the hook. up. I got to shut up. I'd have you for the next hour if Appreciate you Appreciate you. Go sell you some so advertising. Thanks, Thanks for the time. We'll talk to you later. All right, we're back. Joe and Duck will be here in just a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show. 